Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. Jonah was a gifted person, able to receive divine spiritual messages directly from God. The only problem that Jonah faced was that his heart was hardened toward the people of Nineveh, who God had called him to reach. Jonah's struggle with dealing with personal bias is the same struggle that many of us have in living the Christian life of faith in these days. Today, we continue our series titled A New Year, A New Me, with a message titled Breaking Through Bias. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the broadcast. Now, we've been talking about a new year, a new me, and we know that becoming a new us requires a couple of different things. The first thing that becoming a new me requires is that I first recognize that I've been made a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Christ, I am a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things became new. We saw that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, right? It also says that these things are of God who has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So not only does he give us a new creation life, he gives us a new creation purpose. And the purpose that he has is the ministry of reconciliation. And when you understand the ministry of reconciliation, you understand that the ministry of reconciliation is a ministry of love. It is love for people. It is is to love people. And you can't love people as a new creation until you first, as we saw in Matthew 22, you have to first love the Lord your God. And the Lord your God is not just the Lord. It is the Lord, the supreme authority. And Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. So Jesus becomes that supreme authority who we love with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. And we said that loving with heart, soul, and mind is loving with feelings, emotions, your will, your memory, your imagination. It's loving him with the force of your life, that your efforts and what you have, you're willing to offer to God. And it's loving him with your deepest thoughts, which is your motivations. To love God, love Jesus with those things, that becomes the love of God. When we do that, then loving people is easy. It's everything that stands between us and the love of God that stands between us and loving people. That's why the only way you can fully and truly love people is to really love God first. And love has those five faces we talked about. The first face is the face of worship. That to love God means that we become worshipers. To love, worship is that very first thing. When you can worship your creator, then loving people becomes the next thing. And loving people has three faces. It has the face of service, that we serve people. It has the face of evangelism or the ministry of reconciliation because we love people enough to tell them the truth about who God is and who God wants to be in their lives. And it's the third face is the face of fellowship because after we've loved people, we need to at least want to spend some time with them. (laughs) Amen. The final face of love is that you got to love your neighbor like you love who? Yourself. That's the hard one. Because love yourself means you have to accept yourself for who you are, not who you're going to be one day. (laughs) Because sometimes we love the ideal of who we're becoming and not always love who we are right now. 
I was watching this movie, and uh, in the movie, it's not more of a documentary, and it was a documentary about uh, plastic surgery, and no offense to anybody who's had plastic surgery. No offense. But this particular documentary I was watching, it was talking about not the surgery, but the emotions that people carried behind the surgeries, the why. And some people needed to do the surgery because of health reasons. Some people needed to do the surgery because of of, of restoration, of, of things that have happened. Some people needed the surgery because something in them was saying, I'm not good enough. And when it becomes that you are doing things because you're not good enough, it's because you have tapped into something that needs to be addressed. It can only be addressed truly by being a new creation in Christ. Because a new creation in Christ says, God accepts me through the blood of Jesus as I am without change. He loves me enough to die for me before I ever change. He loves me so much that he's willing to not only love me and say, I love you and bring me a bag of cookies on my birthday, but he's willing to die for me. The Bible says that when we were yet sinners, Christ loved us enough to die for us. Man, what kind of love is this that a man would lay down his life for his friends? I was young, I was, I was a teenager, and we went to this concert and a, and a, a riot broke out. It's a crazy thing. Soul on the green. <laughs> a lot of people laughing because they knew what had happened. So it's chaos going on in the Oakland Coliseum. Total chaos breaks out. And so everybody's getting out of the stadium. We, we're walking out, and me and my friends, we decide... Well, it's too much chaos. We're not going to catch AC Transit because it's going just going to be more crazy. We're not catching the bus. We're going to walk home. Bad move number one. Then we decide we're not going to walk home the normal route. We're going to walk home on the railroad tracks because ain't nobody going to be out there on the railroad tracks. <laughs> so bad move number two. So we run into some other guys. We get into an altercation and we get into a fight. And so when the fight breaks out, The series of things happen is uh, I see my friend getting hit by a guy. So I run up and there's another guy coming at me. And all I remember is this. I, I remember seeing out of my corner of my eye what he was swinging at me. I heard a, a thump. And I and I next thing I knew I was getting picked up off the ground. <laughs> Crazy, right? I said, Why is he telling us this story? This is ridiculous. The reason I'm telling you this story is because after it all happened, my friend said to me, he said, I saw what he was getting ready to do, and I got out of there, man. <laughs> no greater love than this than a man would lay down his life for his human friends can see it coming. And they may not be able to be there for you, not because they don't love you, but because they got phileo love for you. I love you like a brother, but I had to get out of there. <laughs> Actually, the guy hit me with a chain, and uh, I had a scar, and in a way, it's just a little mold was left behind, so beauty mold, praise the Lord. <laughs> My wife said it, not me. Amen. Praise the Lord. Anyway, Jonah chapter one, let's, let's get into this. Love. We're talking about love 
and the fact that love is what that fuel of the new creation is, is that love becomes the fuel of a new creation. It becomes the thing that changes us. It begins to drive us in a new way. And when we read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we looked at it, and we saw that the first few verses of that say that you can do a lot of actions that look like love and not be loving. Jonah is a prophet of God. So much of a a prophet of God, he can hear the voice of God. Let's read Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Matal, saying, Rise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. So this prophet, this man of God, he hears the voice of God. He hears God talk to him. Tell your neighbor, say, have you heard God talk to you? (laughs) God talks to people sometimes. This man hears the voice of God and God says, I want you to go to Nineveh, that great city, because their wickedness has come up before me. Now, there's wickedness of the city has gotten so great that God is involved. Now, this is really interesting because Nineveh, if you uh, were to look at the map, you would see that Nineveh is in modern-day Iraq. And it's at the northern part of modern-day Iraq, very close to the border where Syria, Turkey, and Iraq join together. It is on the Tigris River, okay? So Nineveh is a city that is in the kingdom of Babylon, okay? Not just on the edge of Babylon, it's deep into Babylon, right? So at this time, when Jonah hears from God that, Jonah, you the prophet of Israel, I want you to go deep into Babylon, and I want you to warn the people in Nineveh that I'm coming for them. And they got 40 days. Now that's powerful. Amen? Amen. Verse 3. <laughs> but Jonah <laughs> arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, which he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord. (laughs) Now, he's an Israelite who's been part of the, possibly part of the occupation of Jerusalem. Many Jewish people were taken from Israel to Babylon. They were trained in Babylonian ways and customs. And and through all of that, that portion of their season is over. They've been returned. And now all of a sudden God tells Jonah the prophet to go into Babylon and tell the Babylonian people in Nineveh that they have 40 days to get it right or their city will be destroyed. Jonah says, Them Ninevites can get whatever they get. (laughs) He wakes up. He says, I'm going the other way. So he not only is just going to go the other way, he's going to pay money to go the other way. I'm, I'm buying my fare to go the opposite direction because I'm not going to tell them Ninevites nothing. 
Let's go to chapter three. I'll tell you what happened in the rest of chapter one and chapter two. When Jonah makes a decision that he's going in another direction, not only does he go another direction, but because he's heard the word of the Lord, because he's a man of God, because he's somebody who loves God, he's in a, he's in a problem situation because he's going to let his feelings, how he feels about a group of people, cause him to deny obeying God. He's going to allow his feelings, his emotions concerning them Ninevites to go here and take him the other direction. So never mind I heard from God. My feelings say I'm not doing it. And that's what's happening in many cases where we're having racial issues in the United States. We're allowing our feelings to make us do or not do things for other people. And we're putting sometimes our feelings concerning cultural differences over what God says. So guess what? When he decided to listen to his feelings or his emotions or the stories he's heard or whatever else, he's let all of that fuel him into disobeying God. He put not only himself, but the people around him in danger. And we all know the story that as he's on his way, he finds a ship, he's on the ship, and as they're traveling, there's a storm that breaks out, and while the storm breaks out, he's in the bottom of the ship, sound asleep, while everybody else is panicking, trying to call on their gods to find out who did something wrong and why are we in trouble. And the one, the guilty party is sleep on the bottom of the boat. Everybody else is repenting, trying to get themselves right. What is, oh, I don't know what's wrong. What's going on? And, and he is down there, sleep. Tell your neighbor, say, sometimes troublemakers are so unaware that they sleep at the bottom of the boat. Sometimes people that cause trouble are so unaware of the trouble that they cause that they go to sleep and everybody else is in panic. (laughs) Amen. We know from our history with this story, we know that God prepared a fish for him. And when he's on the bottom of the boat, he's asleep, and the captain of the ship says, hey, you sleeper, what's wrong with you? Don't, you? don't you see what's going on around us? How can you be asleep down here? Get up here and call on your God. As a matter of fact, who are you? <laughs> Where'd you come from? <laughs> so the inquiry starts, and finally he says, I'm an Israelite. I serve the most high God. And I'm going this way when he told me to go that way. Throw me over the boat. Throw me off the boat. And when you do, the storm will calm. In other words, I already know what the problem is. They wouldn't throw him off the boat. They said, well, let's just try to get it together. Come on. Now we know what the problem is. Now that we've acknowledged it, maybe we can fix the ship. And they tried and the storm continued. They could not control the boat. And finally he said, throw me off the boat. They didn't want to throw him off. They finally throw him off. The fish gets him. The fish has him for three days. Three days later, he is thrown out on the shore. 
And when he gets on the shore, we find ourselves in chapter 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Notice what God does. God doesn't change what he asked him to do. (laughs) The same thing I told you in chapter 1 is the same thing I'm going to tell you in chapter 3, except now you had to smell like fish. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. He doesn't change his tune about Nineveh. Notice something. God knows that Nineveh is full of wickedness, but multiple times he refers to it as a great city. He said, the wickedness of this city has come up before me. Now go tell them I'm going to destroy this great city. God sees you. God sees your potential. He sees past your flaws and faults and errors where you are right now. God sees past that. That's why Gideon was saying, mighty man of God. He said, God, I'm hiding. I can't be a mighty man. No, I see you. I see past this and I see inside. I see yesterday, today, and forever. I see it right now. And I'm calling you a mighty man of God and I'm calling Nineveh a great city. Because God is looking at the hearts of things and not the external things that we all see. Tell your neighbor, said, this message is about love. Verse three, so Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, did Jonah go because he fell in love with the Ninevites? Why did Jonah go? Yeah, yeah, it's the fish. He had too much omega-3, he had to get out of there. (laughs) Amen for health, amen. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. He went out of self-interest. He went because he had to go. He didn't go because he loved. He went because he had to go. How motivated is he? Now, Nineveh was an exceeding great city, a three-day journey in extent. It's going to take three days to get to Nineveh from where he is. Look at verse 4. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. (laughs) It takes three days to get there. But after that fish got him, he got there in one day. (laughs) Say amen for motivation. (laughs) Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Okay? When they heard his voice, when they heard him speak on behalf of God, they responded immediately. Now here he is judging the people. Here he is with his nose so turned up to people, he won't even follow God's direction to help those people. 
a person of God. See, that's why we all have to remain humble in the things of God. Because even though you're called by God, even though you have God's hand on you, it doesn't mean you can't get off into you. It doesn't mean you can't get self-absorbed. It doesn't mean you can't get caught up into your own feelings or your emotions or your own biases or your own things that maybe you look at a certain way because of your experience or your lenses or the family that you grew up in or whatever the case may be. But you always have to continue to submit yourself to God because the day you stop submitting yourself to God is the day you will miss God. Our transformation is a constant renewal. It is a constant daily submitting ourselves to God, a daily seeking God, a daily worshiping God, a daily coming before the the Lord, a daily practice of continuing on in the things of God because the day you don't is the day the adversary will try to take you off track. So Jonah not only was putting himself in danger by trying to go to Tarshish, he put the people on the boat in danger And he put the people of Nineveh in danger because they needed help. But his feelings were stopping him from going. Wow. Verse six. Then the word came to the king. And he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and by his nobles saying let neither man nor beast herd flock taste anything do not let them eat or drink water but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth cry mightily to God yes let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that in his, is in his hands, who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had would bring upon them, and he did not do it. This is a really powerful story because the story of Jonah, we get caught in the fish. But the story of Jonah is really about two things. It's about the human heart and it's about the power of repentance. The human heart and the power of repentance. The human heart in that the heart of man can control destinies. Even if it's ignorant. Again, you can be at the bottom of the boat thinking that you're insignificant, thinking you're just trying to get away from something and you don't realize that other people's lives are in the balance because of you. You see, one of our guiding principles is every person who's in the kingdom is great. You're anointed. You are given a power from God to be an influencer, to be an impactor, to be a changer of things. And sometimes we don't understand the fact that God has actually empowered us because we still see us. We don't always see the fact that we in the kingdom of God have been given the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God put on the inside of every believer. Why? Because he wants you to be anointed to make an impact. 
See, in the Old Testament, in Jonah's life, Jonah didn't have the Holy Spirit. Jonah heard the word of the Lord and had to obey the best he could from his personal resources that he had. And even then, he was important. But Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 11. He said, when they were looking at John the Baptist, he said, listen, when you guys went to see him, what did you think you were going to see? He's a great man. No prophet has risen greater than John the Baptist. All the prophets, not Moses, not Jonah. None of them are greater than John the Baptist, but the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than that. So as significant as Jonah is in this story to both the people on the boat and the people in the city, you are just as important. You are just as important to the people who are in your life, the people who are in your surroundings, in your oikos, the place that you've been sent to live, to work, to do whatever else you do. You are just as important as Jonah is in this story. And Jonah right now is hiding because of his personal bias. And if you live in America for more than four years, you have a personal bias. <laughs> you have no choice <laughs> because our nation is built on bias. So the people repented. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. After the people repent, the king repents. Not only does the king repent, he says, not only that, don't let you don't eat and don't let not one animal eat. <laughs> Nothing's eaten until we see what God will do for us. And God was so pleased with their behavior that he relented. But look at chapter 4, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he became angry. <laughs> now, before we criticize Jonah, <laughs> before we come down too hard on Jonah, I want you to think about something. Do you have anybody in your life who you don't pray for because you're mad at them? Or because you don't like them? or you have a disagreement or friction with them? Do you have anybody in your life who is not on your prayer list because, oh, I just, I'm not praying for them. <laughs> I would pray for them if they would just get it together. If they had come and apologize to me, I will pray for them. I ain't going to ask nobody to raise their hands because I already know the answer <laughs> because I had to change my prayer list. <laughs> See, we're Jonah's. And Jonah in this situation, even though something just got blessed, the people just got blessed by God. He's mad because he didn't want them blessed. He wanted them to pay. Because here's the other reality about the human heart. When we get mad, we want people, we want, we, we don't, we want the God of vengeance. <laughs> we want the God of love to forgive us. We want the God of vengeance to get them. 
And that's the reality of the human heart. Rally of the human heart is we want, we want people to pay for what they did. <laughs> it don't have to be terrible, but they do got to pay. <laughs> my, my father's favorite line is, I may not get you today. I may not get you tomorrow, <laughs> but I'm going to get you. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get you. <laughs> Uh, it's such a favorite. Me and my brother was our favorite line too. But praise the Lord, God got to put the love of God in my heart. Amen. <laughs> Verse two. This is how bad it is for Jonah. So he, being Jonah, prayed to the Lord and said, "Ah, oh, Lord." Was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. One who relents from doing harm. Therefore, O Lord, please Take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. This is, this is so, this is so, this is such a psychological study of us as human beings. Because what this is, is this is talking about the, this, what's going on in here. And sometimes in church, we don't want to talk about what's going on in here. And, and, and the reality is, is what's going on in here is what goes on with so many of us is that somebody does us wrong and we would rather see something go wrong for us and not see them be blessed. <laughs> just take me, Lord. If they're going to be blessed, just take me. <laughs> I can't take this. I don't. Oh, Lord, do you know how long I prayed for your vengeance to fall? fall on them and I, the reason I didn't want to go preach to them is because you I knew you were going to forgive them I knew you were going to forgive them man do you know I prayed for you I, I believe that when you said the evil of them had came up to your ears because that you heard me praying how evil they were so you could go smite them but then I knew you're too good I knew you're too gracious. You're too full of love. All this love and kindness of yours. You will you just use your power? And it sounds funny with Jonah, right? But one day, as a young believer, I came to a crossroad where I, I was loving God, and I was just doing great in things of God. And then all of a sudden, this relationship I had to was strained. I had to deal with it. And I didn't want to deal with it. Because dealing with it meant I had to forgive a whole lifetime of stuff. A whole lifetime of things that I, man, one of these, just, you know, that, you know, I don't want them to die. But then you're dreaming about them going, driving off a cliff. And you say, I, don't, I don't want them to die. No, I don't, I don't really want that. But something inside of you just keeps, you know, it's got that, ugh. Or that person who you just, you know, you could just, I could live my life if we don't have to share atmospheres. 
You know, I'd be fine. I, I don't hate them. Just don't, don't, we don't, as long as we don't have to share our, our space, then I'll be fine, man. And then the Holy Spirit started dealing with me and started working with me and started saying that the character of God is love. And if you're going to love God, you're going to have to learn how to love who God loves. If you're going to be in love relationship with God, then at some point you're going to have to get to where you can love who God loves even when you don't like him. How many of y'all ever said, I love you, but I don't like you? <laughs> Amen. But Jonah was such distress concerning this. He was having such a struggle with letting it go that his words to God was, God, just take me. I'd rather die than see this happen. That's tremendous. Then the Lord asked him, is it right for you to be angry right now? Later on in the story, he said, there's 125,000 people who can't tell their left from their right yet. There's 125,000 little kids here. There's livestock, animals don't have nothing to do with you. Nothing that has been done to you. And the way that this whole chapter ends, it's amazing because it just comes to like a halt. <laughs> Verse 11 says, and should I not penny Pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and also much livestock. End of story. <laughs> it just stops right there. And the reason it stops there is because the question doesn't stop with Jonah. The question rolls to us. The question rolls right to us. As new creation people, as people who are a new creation in Christ, man, we got to let this love of God crack shells in us. Shells have been built up over years sometimes. Shells that we don't even know are in there sometimes. And when they get revealed, we have to just let the Holy Spirit bring his loving kindness and pour it out on us so that we can continue in the freedom that is in Christ. Turn to 1 Corinthians 13. First Corinthians chapter 13. I've said it before, many times we preach things that people know, but it's not the knowledge, it's the revelation. The fish's purpose in the, in the story of Jonah is only to show the extreme at which the human heart will hold on. <laughs> Three days in the belly of a fish. Three days. Three, can you imagine? Three days inside the belly of a giant fish. Not a whale, a fish. A whale's got air on him. He's, he's, he's breathing air. He's, you know, a fish. <laughs> number one, a fish that was big enough to get you. And number two, three days inside the fish. And then the fish is going to get to the shore and, and cough you up. 
let me explain the digestive process to all of us. Anything that eats gets something in the stomach. The body is designed to release enzymes that then start to break down whatever's in there. And your food gets broken down. That's why you should, you should chew your food well so that the food is smaller, so the enzymes get more coverage and they break your food down easier. If you eat big, your body has to work harder because it's a big old big something in there, right? So it's a big old man inside this fish. And the fish is secreting it. The fish is trying to break him down. Three days he's in there with enzymes of fish guts trying to break him down. Then he gets kicked up on the shore. But even after that, and going and preaching to the people and seeing the people turn and repent, his heart stills the same. His heart is still not changed. His heart is still like, I'm mad. I didn't want those people to repent. Man. <laughs> but we know that we're new creations. And we know that love is the nature of the new creation person. But we know also that we're being transformed. We're not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that your mind has to be renewed. And we read in the book of Joshua that this book of the law should not depart from your mouth, but you should meditate on it day and night because then you will make your way successful or prosperous and you will have good success. So in other words, those feelings and emotions can be dealt with by our meditation of the word. And we know that Joshua was given the book of the law of Moses. He was given all of the commandments, the full book of Leviticus and the book of Deuteronomy and all the laws and rules and regulations and do this and don't do this and do this and don't do that. And then Jesus comes in Matthew 22 and tells us that there's one great commandment and there's another one just like it. That you shall, number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like the first. You should love your neighbor like you love yourself. On these two, hang all the law and all the prophets. So if we can figure out how to love God and we can figure out how to love people like we love ourselves, then our walk with God gets transformed. Our walk with God gets changed. Our, our ability to do the things that God has called us to do get totally changed. And we become difference makers in whatever environment God places us in. Because then the love of God can flow freely. Sometimes the love of God brings condemnation on people and makes them lash out at us. You have to count that as normal behavior. I want, you to show you, I want to show you something here. We're going to look at this. And I can't go deeply into all of these, but I'm going to hit some um, very um, quickly if I can. And uh, first of all, let's take a look at First Corinthians chapter 13. I got you there? First Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to begin at verse 4. We talked about this two weeks ago. Verse 4 says that... Love suffers long and is kind. And we talked about love is patient and kind. Patience refers to being long-passioned, not just waiting, maintaining passion over time. So patience is the ability to maintain a passion for someone or something over an extended period of time. 
as opposed to just waiting for change. Because when I'm patient with my kids, I'm patient with them waiting for them to change. (laughs) You know, I was patient with the diaper when they were in diaper stage, right? And then I was patient with homework stage. You know, I'm trying to be patient. Then I'm patient with getting out of college. Will you graduate? Will you please graduate? Come on. (laughs) I'm patiently waiting for change, right? But that's not what this says. Patience, in this case, is to be passionate over time as opposed to patient waiting for change. So that's the first thing with this. When it says love is patient, love is not just loving people until they change. Love is keeping a passion for the long term. And then kindness is not just being nice. Kindness is being useful. To be useful. Love is patient, long-passioned, and kind, it is useful. That's what those first two things mean here. In the rest of this chapter, there are 15 things that are broken down of what love is. And of those 15 things, they're broken into three categories. One is the first set of actions, which is patience and kindness. Those are actions. The second group of things is issues of responses. Love is not certain responses. The third thing, the group of things is really about considerations. So we got actions, responses, and considerations. Those are the 15 types of things here. I'm going to get into a couple of them because a couple of them do not translate into English the way that we would clearly understand them. So I want to give them to you so you can grasp them and be able to run with these. Tell your neighbor, say, I am... Not Jonah. (laughs) Amen. The story of Jonah, listen to this. The The story of Jonah is what happens when gifted people operate without love. Is he a prophet? Absolutely. Did he hear from God? Absolutely. But he was forced to go to the people. So he's gifted, but the love isn't there. And because the love isn't there, he didn't want to willingly go. So much so, at the end, I, w- I would rather die than see these people repent. And guess what? I know pastors who feel that way about other cultures. <laughs> One told me I was the exception. <laughs> it's like, whoa. <laughs> I think I better watch my back. <laughs> uh, you know, sit down, identify all exits before you. Anyway, it's another story. All right. And no, no people from other cultures who feel the same way. So it's not, it's not one culture that feels that way. It's a lot of different cultures. And then there's beyond culture. There's people who ethnically have problems with each other. A pastor told me a story. He used to be a, he used to be a um, a missionary in Bosnia. And he talked about seeing the ethnic issues between the Bosnian people. And he said, he said, I'm looking at them and they all look the same to me. But they know each other. They know what's different about each other. They find a way to find the difference. They're the same background, same everything else, but they can still find the differences. And so they have ethnic differences, not based on color like we have here, but based on something else. 
And there are all kinds of people all over the world that have the exact same things. People get mad about African slave trade, but you know why there was an African slave trade? Because Africans were fighting with each other and selling the loser to somebody else. The heart of humanity is the same. It doesn't make a difference where you come from. The heart is still the same. So look at this. What does love look like? Suffers long is kind. It does not envy. In other words, it doesn't operate in jealousy. It does not parade itself, which means it doesn't brag about who it is and what it has. It's not puffed up, which means that it's not proud. It doesn't stick with pride. It doesn't operate in a sense of superiority to others. Verse 5. It does not behave rudely, which means to be unbecoming in behavior. It does not seek its own. The word seek here is aligned with the word worship. Okay? So it's not just looking for, it's looking for as we would look into God. So it doesn't worship its own way. It doesn't have to have its own way. It doesn't hold its way superior to other, every other way. Okay? Does not is not provoked. In other words, it doesn't get easily brought to intense irritation. Can't answer for anybody else in the room. But I have to fight the battle of irritation. <laughs> because I'm a loner by nature. And so I can, I can just be by myself. <laughs> Pastor Edward's like, amen, I got you, brother. <laughs> That's why when I call him, it's an emergency. I, I call Pastor Edward. We got to talk because I, I can just be by myself. But that's not good. It's not good that man should be alone. <laughs> and when you're a person who just likes your aloneness and your solitude, your quiet, just by yourself, when you're that kind of person, then it's easy for people to irritate you. <laughs> let's be honest. Let's, we're just being honest, right? So we have to be aware of the fact that that's not a love response. Irritation is not a love response. Which means that I have to, if I'm going to love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, means I'm going to have to bring that under subjection. I'm going to have to submit that to God. So that when it's submitted, then I can be sweet when people call me. Hey, how are you doing? And I guarantee if you call me, I will be sweet. I will, I, I will be sweet. And matter of fact, I will actually enjoy our phone call because my heart is submitted to God. Amen? Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, that's good to hear. <laughs> Amen. I got, a, I got a jam here. Let's go. Let's go. Then there are the, so those are responses. 
Then we get considerations. Is not provoked and thinks no evil. Now, I want you to just think no evil. I want you to think about this. The phrase think no evil means it does not keep an inventory of wrong. To think no evil means that you do not keep an inventory. And literally, that's what the Strong's Concordance says. Keep an inventory. <laughs> Does not keep an inventory of wrong. That means Jonah should have taken his inventory of the Ninevites, of all the things that are wrong with the Ninevites, he should have got rid of it. Which means you need to get rid of your list too. <laughs> you need to burn your inventory list. I know you're a good business person and you like to keep a strong inventory. I know. I understand. <laughs> Some of you entrepreneurs say, I always keep my inventory. I, I understand. <laughs> but that's still not an excuse. You can't keep an inventory of wrong that you suffer. Because an inventory of wrong will eventually turn into a stronghold as it did in the life of Jonah. It will. It will, it will become a stronghold. And it's hard to break down strongholds except by spiritual warfare. Amen? Amen. All right. I'm gonna get, get, let's get to the next level here. Verse 6. Does not rejoice in iniquity. Again, what happened to Jonah? Jonah did not want good things to happen. So he was actually glad that they were filled with iniquity because he wanted the judgment of God to come on him. But rejoices in the truth. When they all came to repentance, their hearts wanted to be right with God. When they all came to repentance, what did he do? He got mad about it. Love was totally out of Jonah's wheelhouse. It bears all things. To bear all things means that you cover them with silence. To bear all things means to cover with silence. You know, when you were kids and your parents said, if you don't have anything good to say, Cover it with silence. <laughs> don't, don't say anything. Believes all things. To believe all things is to entrust someone or to have faith in someone. It believes the best. It believes in people. Amen? Endures all things. And I'm going to say a phrase. I need you to listen to how I say it. It's to stay under pressure. Not to stay under pressure, but to stay under pressure. When there's pressure, you stand. You stay. You don't, you don't abandon ship when there's pressure. You don't jump out because that's not the love. And again, I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about the, the, what this says here. Enduring. Love endures. There are certain seasons when you need to endure. Now, having said that, there are also seasons when God says, get away from them. Yeah. 
And you have to listen to God. But when God doesn't speak, you're, you endure. When God says go, you say go. So always listening to God because this is about relationship. Love never fails. And the Greek words behind this say, does not fly away. Love never fails. When we were a relatively new church, we were having a Bible study one night, and this person that was um, part of our fellowship at that time said to us, um, you know, the love here is great. I just don't know how you're going to sustain it. I, don't, I have no idea how you're going to sustain the love. I just, I don't even understand it. Because it's great now when you're small, when you grow, you can't sustain this. You can't, you can't, you can't love like this forever. But the Bible says love never fails. If we fail, it's because we chose not to succeed. <laughs> so how? I don't know how. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to depend on God. I'm going to believe that God, if God tells me to go to Nineveh and tell them Ninevites, the Ninevites might turn around and they might love too. Because <laughs> I'm sure when the Ninevites repented, there was some love in the Ninevites somewhere. So it's not about figuring out in our mind how we do it. It's about recognizing that the character of God is love and we're new creations in Christ and therefore we have the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And because he's in us, we can love. And we can love according to the biblical order, even though our mind has to be renewed to this love so we can operate in the way God's called us to operate. Amen? Amen. Now, I'm going to close with this. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. Where there are knowledge, where there is knowledge, it's going to vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. In other words, all those behaviors that push against love, my spiritual maturity as I grow in the things of God, some things are going to put away. There's going to come a day when I don't wrestle with irritation. There's come a day when I don't wrestle with, with this or that because my spiritual maturity will raise me to a new level. My spiritual maturity, my love for God, my continuing to come back to the word and meditate on the word, my continuing to, to talk to others about the love of God and share the love of God and operate in it and be moved by the love of God. And when those things continue to occur, we said this morning in prayer, the joy of the Lord becomes my strength. And the joy of the Lord that we talked about this morning was the fact that when we enter into what God loves, then his joy becomes our strength. What becomes pleasing to God becomes our strength. And so to be able to walk in love will make us stronger than ever. See, the person who asked me, could we sustain love? The problem is they didn't view love as strength. They viewed love as delicate. And if it's delicate, it can't be sustained. But love is the most powerful force in the universe. Because love 
is God. God is love. And if we can accept God as love, then the love we have will be stronger than the things around us. That's why Jesus could hang on the cross when people are trying to take his life and say, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing because I love them. The message of the gospel that love is stronger than death. Love is stronger than death. Unrehearsed, by the way. (laughs) But here's the truth. Just, just flow with what happened. Just, just happened here. We have an agenda, right? We're a church, but how am I supposed to respond to that? How am I supposed to respond to that? There's only one response. But what, what I would have. Possibly done when I'm not thinking about this? Okay. But there's something about love that if we can be patient in love, things resolve themselves. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that awesome? If we can be love, we fill with love, then some things will resolve themselves without us having to jump in and fix it and get it together. I know we all love control. I love to be in control. Sometimes you got to let the control go and operate in love and love by the power of God will operate and do things that we can't do. There are times as, as a leader, you may see things that you know need to be dealt with, but you need to. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Keep love in your mind. Keep love in your heart and your spirit. Keep that as your guiding thing. Gentleness. By love, serve one another. Keep the love of God as a focus point. Let everything we do be done in love. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, excuse me, 16. Let all things be done with love. When you do everything with love, then what happens is God brings his sweetness of spirit. And his sweetness of spirit transforms people's lives. Tony shared something with me. I won't tell Tony's business, but Tony shared something with me just a little, uh, just this morning. Um, We were talking and he said um, there was uh, something that happened at his job and uh, he did what he normally does. He he operated in love towards somebody. And the person sent him a message back and just said, you know what? This is how you always are. This is how you always are. You, you're always encouraging. You're always building up. You're always. And what he was saying, he was saying, you're always showing me love, man. I'm in a bad space. I got some tough things going on, but I don't feel so bad because I know somebody loves me. And when the people, and that's a good thing. And when the people who, and the people who, have a, who know you have a reason not to like them, when they realize you love them, they will avoid you for a while. They'll avoid you for a while because then they got to deal with the issue and they may not be ready to deal with it yet. But you don't get caught up in that. You just say, I love you anyway. I love you anyway. I love you anyway. You know what? I might want to lay holy hands on you, but I, but I love you. I love you. 
with holy hands. I love you. <laughs> All right, let's pray. That's, that's enough for today. Activate. Activate the love of God in your life. Activate the love of God. Activate it. Check yourself. Check yourself. Where have you become a Jonah? Where in your life have you become a Jonah? And don't be under condemnation because this is what the Bible tells us. When we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness and to cleanse us of the same. That's who God is. God's faithful and just and is so forgiving. So never be in condemnation. Just make it right. Be quick to get things right. Be quick to get things going. Hallelujah. I'm actually going to turn this over to Pastor Edward for the altar call. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God and thanks for listening. Today's message was titled, New Year, New Me, Part 7, Breaking Through Bias. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at alwc.us. On our site, you will find more information about us, our church and events calendar, and other messages that may be of interest to you. Once again, the site is alwc.us. You can also find us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash abundantlifeworship.net. God bless, and we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. Until then, remember that Jesus came to give you life, and that more abundantly.